The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com and I'm delighted to be uh, back with you again for another week. And uh, today we're going to talk about leadership and how to lead effectively and get results with um, a fabulous guest today, Marianne Abi-Pesh. Um, just before I mention and move into that, let's just briefly mention uh, Mike Ogilvie. He was a, a fabulous guest last week. Uh, Mike had got some really brilliant ideas about how to grow your, your profit of your business in challenging times. There's some real gems and nuggets in there and, and some great feedback. So I would take the time, if you can, if you're developing a small business, to listen to that. So today's show is about leadership and how to lead effectively and get results. And it's really very poignant for me this week because I took on a new leadership challenge this week as the president of the Professional Speaking Association in the Midlands region of the UK. And it's an organization that's very close to my heart. And, and I have to say, I'm, I'm still on a complete high and I thought I'd just share this with you because I did something this week that for me was uh, uh, was quite brave, I think. I decided to pluck up the courage to lead a rendition of the past president's favorite song, which is Deep Purple Smoke on the Water at the handover so many. And I haven't actually played uh, the guitar, uh, electric guitar, in front of a sizable audience now for about 25 years. So you can imagine I was rather nervous about it. However, what I really wanted to do, what became kind of bigger than me was the desire to pass on the message that you should be able to bring your true self into your speaking and in, into your work, and that it was okay to do that uh, moving forward. So I really went for it big time. I was prepared to rise or fall on my sword, and I was completely, though, just blown away by the energy and the excitement that it created in the room. And I woke up the following day, I got an avalanche of emails, Facebook comments, and, and, and quite funnily, a booking to speak at an event in September, providing I include the uh, guitar acts in it, <laughs> which was quite amusing. Um, so I believe that leadership is about overcoming your fears and about being prepared to take calculated risk and where necessary, stand out in front and, and put yourself out there to send out the right message. And I, I took that risk. Um, I set a memorable marker. Um, I could have fallen flat on my face. Um, but I think it uh, really paid off. Um, so I just thought I'd share that with you. And um, just from the, you know, to give the idea maybe that with it, whatever you're doing at the moment, is there a way that you could maybe you know, inspire others by doing something a little bit outside of the ordinary? Um, because uh, that gets people talking, that gets people energized, uh, and sort of puts energy in. So to my um, 
guest today. My guest today is someone who knows a lot about leadership, and I'm sure she can give us all, including myself, some fabulous advice. Uh, we're going to discuss areas such as what is good leadership and what it looks like and leadership style and techniques and those sorts of things. Marianne Abipesh led a highly successful career in finance. And she describes herself as a product of corporate America, starting her career in Arthur Anderson before joining General Electric Europe and finally became global chief financial officer of one of the biggest or one of the business units of Shell Aviation at the age of only 35. I was going to say one of the biggest oil companies. After close to five years in the role, she decided to start a new chapter, and one that was um, more entrepreneurial and uh, sort of more impactful. Uh, she moved to Hong Kong. She wrote a book for the Financial Times about leadership. And I tell you, it's a great book. I'm, I just wish that I had a copy of this book when I first uh, did my first kind of leadership role because it really is um, quite, a, quite a work of art. Um, she should be very proud of herself for what she's created there. And uh, she's created two consulting platforms. One's focused on financial advising for mainly the oil and gas industry, and the other is about developing the leaders of tomorrow. She sits on the board of several startups and investment funds. Her objective is to act as a catalyst of ideas through her writing, through her businesses via advising, and of people via leadership consulting uh, to contribute to the emergence of a new and better world. She's a regular contributor to The Independent and The Huffington Post. Uh, a big welcome to Marianne Abipesh. Thank you, Chris. And I'm going to say I'm going to steal your story about being, you know, putting yourself out there and stretching yourself, playing the guitar in front of people, because it's a fantastic example of taking the next step and, and authenticity and risk. Well, thank, thank you. Yeah, you felt like risk time but uh, someone someone sent an email said it could have gone either way but fortunately it went the right way but i think uh, if you put your heart and soul into something uh, usually it does um so thank you for that uh so, so marianne i mean do you, do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about uh, your your kind of you know a little bit about you actually not not all the work and what have you but um what really inspired you because you became a leader at quite a young age didn't you but you know was this um was this in your background um, from you know being brought up in in France? Actually, it's interesting because, like you said, you become a leader, and um, I personally believe that there's no such a thing as a leader. I think everybody is a leader in the making, and I think you know it's all about pursuing your own excellence at any point of time. So. Yeah, it's not because I wrote a book on leadership that I am in any way, shape or form a leadership guru because as I, as I define myself, it's more, I'm very interested in understanding others, in understanding businesses and, and trying to have an impact. And this is how I think I, um, I came to leadership in a way because it was always about understanding others and trying to make sense of things. I, I don't have a a leadership culture background, like, you know, I don't come from a, a, a family where you had CEOs, CFOs, or people working in corporation. Uh, my family background is more actually uh, doctors and, and nurses and dentists. So I think, you know, for me, getting into the corporate world was a new experience. And I realized that it was, I, I could mesh my original background, which is about people, how you help people going through suffering and how you cure them. And I translated that 
into business solving and solving problem for corporation. So did that come as a bit of a surprise to your family? Absolutely. Everybody thought, oh, you're not going to get into medical school? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm going to get into a business school. <laughs> and did you make the right... Especially being different. <laughs> so, so, I mean, do you believe that, therefore, it, it's in the nature, as some people think, or do you think it's in, in nurture? I mean, what is your perspective? That's a great question. I mean, it comes all the time. Is leadership nature or nurtured? And I think, you know, for me, the, the definition of leadership is, is really, uh, a, a bit cross, a, a bit transversal. Uh, for me, a leader is somebody who, who has the ability to have an impact. It's, it's the, t- there's this great definition that I particularly enjoy is like, you're a leader when somewhat, something different happened because of you. And with this comes a bit of an inspiration. You're only a leader if people follow you. And actually, who is the first leader? Is it you or is the, who is the first follower or is the true leader of, of the group, really? And the third thing is, leader for me needs to be in their time. What we call leadership yesterday or what you call leadership in time of crisis is completely different from leadership when... You, from let's say in a in a corporate environment when you're in a growth agenda the type of leaders needed are very different when then you are in a either restructuring or a divestment type of agenda so leadership is about being the, being in your time being able to inspire other and being able to deliver something different is it natured or nurtured? I think everybody has a shot at becoming the best version of themselves. But it's like, it's like playing golf. Everybody can learn how to play golf, but some of them only are going to be Tiger Woods. So there's a bit of, there's a bit of nature and there's a bit of, of nurtured. A soil which is not fertilized and, um, taking care of is never going to give you the best crop. And I think for leadership, it's the same thing. Mm. Um, so, so, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, I'm still kind of intrigued about this, uh, this sort of nature or nurture perspective. Um, Cause I, you know, I see some people who, and even yeah. at a young age, uh, children who are able to kind of lead in the, in a school, uh, you know, it always got sort of a few kids that um, all the other kids tend to follow. Some people seem to find that spark at an earlier age, don't they? Whereas other people, um, and I probably put myself in that, kind of study it and then learn from it through experience and get better. Um, so it's that, an excellent point because it's about it's all about like if it's in you somewhere. There's two situations: either it's in you and it's strong enough to emerge in regardless of the situation or it's in you, but it's not yet strong enough. So you need a bit of nurturing and work and discipline to make it emerge. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was, I was watching 
the TV today and there's a 14-year-old golfer, I don't know if you've seen him from China, and very confidently, like a, like a mini Tiger Woods really, he was sort of saying, yeah, you know, I'm, my intention is that I'll win kind of four, I think it's four world championships or majors or whatever they call them in, in uh, golf, but he was absolutely clear about what he wanted at 14, uh, absolutely confident, and you, know, you could see that he'd been thinking about it for many years. Um, and I guess some people only discover that drive a bit later on when they uh, find themselves in that situation. Yes. You are the sum of your experiences at the end of the day. So tell me, yeah, so tell me about, I know it's quite interesting that, you know, you come from a very financial background. And, and I know you were saying to me that when we were planning the show that a number of people have said to you, you know, why, why somebody from a finance background, why are they interested in this, you know, studying and writing about leadership? I mean, sometimes in, you find in a finance background, people, people see training and development as being a bit soft. Uh, yeah. Why was it important to you? I, I guess, you know, um, When you're in finance, in any organization, you're always the one where you're always the function that needs to prove why you're here, why you're just not a, a cost line on the PL. So it requires a lot of engagement, a lot of influencing, a lot of um, convincing, persuading to other people. And then it, it's, it helps you develop something around how do you position yourself? How do you build your credibility? And how do you see them see your own value? And to me, that was a bit of a triggering point on, well, this is how you start a bit of, of a leadership journey. Because you, as a finance organization, you can't exist in a vacuum. You always, you are depending of everything around you to exist. If there's no sales, there's no sales to report. If there's no product, there is no P&L to, to, uh, to build. So being in that type of position really pushed me to, um, to think more in terms of how do they see me? How I'm going to make those people need me? And this started the leadership journey for me. So how we've got just got a two or three minutes before we go to commercial break, but how is leadership, do you think, you know, changing today from, you know, maybe a leader 10 years ago, for example? Uh, to, the world is really in a, in a state of complete transformation. Um, the value set, the value crisis in the banking industry, uh, the technology, we are in a very global and hyper-connected world where opinion are made by everybody at any, every point of time where people are looking for a purpose. Uh, the historical model of leadership have been more around top-down, process-driven, and this model don't really fit anymore in the, in the world we are living in. On the top of that, again, leadership is never exercised in a vacuum, and to be a leader, you need people to follow you. The demographics and the workforce today, the millennials, they are completely different type of, of breed. Uh, they are digital completely. They, they want to be heard. They, they, they very naturally give opinion. They want to be involved. And, and this requires as, 
as a leader in any organization to to start a process of self-questioning. What? How do I fit in this new environment? How how should I look into my leadership style to be maybe more inclusive, more technology savvy, more co-creative, co-creative or collaborative? And and I think for me again because the world is changing, in order to be efficient and create value for your business, you need to be at ease with the world that is emerging and at ease with what is needed internally on your organization to get the best out of your people. Mm. And it's a very, a very, very good point. It is certainly a very different environment to um, 10, 20 years ago. I was in a meeting yesterday where people were talking about, are we, are we Androids? Are we Apples? And I thought um, they were talking about uh, use of technology and thought, crikey, you know, even five years ago, that would have made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, the technological platform and environment is very different. Um, so after the break, we're going to talk about um, how you know, Marianne's very cleverly structured the book and the, and the key components that um, sit within becoming um, you know, a, a great, credible uh, leader and, um, and uh, your ability to lead very effectively. So we'll be back in just a, a couple of minutes after the short break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, uh, uh, Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com and CC1 Consulting. I'm talking with Marianne Abbey-Pesh about leadership. And I just wanted to go back, Marianne, to you talked about, we talked about the leadership changing today. Um, but quickly before we go through the key components, um, I wonder, I mean, when I, when I was looking after 15 years ago, I would say now, um, international, teams of people working in international markets. I noticed a real difference between different cultures. So in the UK, for example, uh, people really challenged their leaders. Uh, In France, for example, they were much less challenged and they were seen as being much more kind of senior figures. And I would always surprise people by going and sitting on the CEO's desk. And and actually, we became good friends as a consequence of it. But I I wonder if... um, if that environment is changing too, if we are becoming more, you know, more standard culturally? First of all, uh, there's one thing you need to know about me is, yes, I was uh, born and raised in France, but I've never worked in France. Ah. And I never worked for a French company. 
uh, my entire career has been, uh, yeah, in a, well, working mostly for American company, but uh, in the UK, in Switzerland, in Spain, in the US, and then a bit in Hong Kong. So um, it's a great question, and this is the one thing that is in my mind that was not explored, it's not still explored enough in the book, is the cultural angle. Because that's going to be a second book about culture and leadership in tomorrow's world. Uh, I think it's just like anything. Uh, even if the the inherent cultural identity is strong, because of the word of the technology, because of the connection, because of um, you know, I worked for Shell Aviation, right? I saw the trade. I saw the the change in the industry with low cost and everything, it's getting easier and easier for people to go from one place to another and um, experience other culture. Globalization is just not a word. It also impacts the cultural angle of it. And there, there is more and more, it's, it's like, like there's two cultures. You have your own national culture and then you have the global culture overseeding it. And when it comes to leadership, it's very important to be able to switch on and off between your own culture and the culture you're dealing with from a both corporate culture, but also a personal culture on the other, on the other side of the recipient, if, if you, if I'm making sense. Yeah. Well, let's, let's tell me, tell us how and why you structured the book in the way that you did. And maybe the key components of it, because I think that will help people understand you know, the key sort of elements of, uh, of leadership. Yeah, the the way I structure the book is really kind of uh, concentric circles, uh, starting with yourself, understanding who you are rather deeply, and then putting this in the context of others, as in your team, your peers, and your stakeholder which is the second circle, so others. And then finally, taking to the bigger circle possible, which is your impact in the world, with the strategic thinking, the decision, and the execution. Why I came to, to that structure was, in my career, I've always been exposed to leadership program. You know, in Motrola, in GE, went to Ivy League's university in the US and all that. And one thing that was very clear to me, it's like, the, nobody ever asked you the question, where are you on this journey? Do you want to be a leader? Do you want to be trained to be a leader? And I realized that me personally, I had this drive, but not everybody has this drive. So the first element when I, I when I, when the, when the FT asked me, well, Marianne, we would like you to write the book. The first, the first, uh, thing I, I did was I sat down and I look at my career and I look at if I'm trying to make sense of the journey from analyst in Arthur Anderson to global CFO of Shell Aviation, what were the crises I went through and how did I build my reputation, my credibility and all that with the circle of influence? When did I start working on what? And I realized I started working on myself. Then I worked, I, I kind of like, projected this work on myself on others and then finally I start projecting the work on myself and others to the company in general and this is how I came to structure the book so let's start let's start 
by looking at some of those sort of components and strands of the book. And, you know, the first thing really to mention is, you know, people uh, sometimes find themselves in leadership positions, um, get get promoted into them, or they, they take on roles and responsibilities, or they move and set up their own business and become a leader in that way. Um, how do you best go about really improving your self-confidence to become a better leader? Mm. Um, first of all is um, when you take a new job and it's a new leadership role you have this moment or like oh my god I'm not going to be able to do that and I, I realized when I was personally facing that situation I always went to well if other people see you doing that is that in their opinion in their more wiser or more experienced opinion, you can do it. So there is this first, like, if I've been chosen to do that, I can do it. And then when you start thinking about that this way, the very next natural step is, if I put my mind at something, I can do it. So it really starts with the self-belief of your self-owned value. And it's very, I have this little tool, which is my positivity inventory. Everything that I'm great at, I know how to do very well. And not only because I know, but also because other people told me I know. They know I'm good at that. So building this inventory helps you getting into a very good space of, I can do whatever my mind is set to do. Another thing is getting feedback is important, but also requalifying the feedback it's not because somebody one day tells you you're not good at that, that it means that you're not good at that. And getting some distanciation about feedback, getting as well, um, asking yourself the question, is this feedback a data point or a trend helps bring you your own self-confidence to the level you need them to, you need it to be at. Mm. And sometimes I guess that confidence comes to actually just trying to do something, maybe, maybe not taking the full step, but maybe taking a you know smaller steps towards it and acknowledging yourself for that. Because then, I guess I was just thinking actually. I last year I was on holiday and I don't like snakes, and I was sitting observing this this show about snakes with my children and wife, and and I sat myself on the back row purposely <laughs> and um, the guy said is anybody not like snakes and my wife suddenly pointed at me my kids pointed at me and I found myself at the front with this and holding a little corn snake uh, and it actually was okay um, I was a bit nervous but it was okay I held this snake and I looked at it and it was actually quite nice and then the guy said do you really want to uh, get rid of your fear and he opened this huge crate and put a big boa constrictor around my neck <laughs> Um, but I don't think I could have actually held the boa constrictor without um, first holding the corn snake. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Actually, you know, it's all about, you say self-confidence. It's You have your self-confidence, inherent self-confidence, but also, as you say, it's like understanding what you're afraid of is important to change you and make you more self-confident. Because when once you know there's this great say from, there's this great syllabus from Rotterdam University about discovering and overcoming the seven fears that are preventing you from being a free individual. Once you, once you know the, your fears and you, and then you work on them and you can decide, well, 
there are fears that I will never overcome because they're too big for me, but there's other things I can overcome. You get a step closer to the level of self-confidence you need. There's also one thing is, um, you know, if you really want to be a better leader, yes, you have to be self-confident, but there's a fine line between being self-confident and being arrogant because there's an important part in leadership, which is humility, knowing that you don't know everything about everything and you don't have uh, the ultimate God spell on everything. It's very important as a leader to be humble, to listen to others, to put to self-question as well. So it's a fine balance between knowing who you are and being solidly planted on your two feet to drive people towards you as, as a beacon of stability, but also at the same time, be humble and self-questioning. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask you, we've only got a couple of minutes to a commercial break and I'm actually going to make this commercial break the last one because I think there's lots we can, we can talk about. Um, now, you, you've talked to me about um, you know working on. I think earlier you mentioned about uh, developing and working on your own leadership brand. Um, what is a leadership brand? And then after the break, maybe I'll ask you how you best develop one. Your leadership brand is thinking you're a Louis Vuitton bag or a pair of Prada shoes. <laughs> so it's really trying to say, okay, when people see me, what do they see? And more importantly, what do I want them to see? And associate me with when they see me. So okay, so so is that about being? Is that about being yourself though? Is that about creating something else? It's a it's it's a bit. It has to be rooted into your authenticity, but it's also about adjusting your authenticity to what at times is needed as well in the realm of the organization or the vision or the strategy or what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, great. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now. I'm going to make this the last one, and then we're going to continue talking right the way through because I know there's a lot more uh, that I would like uh, Marianne to share with us uh, before the end of the show. So do join us again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned in to be more achieve more with host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to info at be more that's info at be more now back to chris cooper 
Hi, it's Chris Cooper with Marianne Abipesh. Uh, we're talking about leadership. And uh, Marianne, before the break, we talked about what is a leadership brand. And I just wonder, you know, what's the best way to actually go about developing your own leadership brand? Well, you got to be very, first of all, you got to ask yourself the question, what is my leadership brand? Because we talk a lot and, and, um, leadership literature talks a lot about leadership style. What's my style? Am I collaborative? Am I uh, authoritative? Am I, you know, neutral? But they don't really talk about the leadership brand. And and the brand is about how, once you've done the exercise of your self-knowledge, what it is you want to show to others and how what you want to show to others is going to help setting or delivering on the organization or your own needs or strategy or goals. How you go about it is really by first defining what is going to help you getting successful. So for instance, when I was, uh, when I was in Shell, you know, I really did some stuff on like, what do I want to be known for? What do I want my leadership brand to be? What it is? And I, I came up with actually four things. I wanted to be seen as a person that always deliver. I wanted to be seen as a person who is extremely reliable. And I wanted to be seen as a, as a people person. And once I had this structure in mind, because those three attributes not only would help me position myself for result, because leadership is about result, but also from a, a different leadership style, a more collaborative, co-creative uh, inclusive style, which I thought was needed to be successful in the organization. Based, once I had done this work on myself, I then systematically asked myself, okay, what does it mean in terms of behavior and action I have to take? Because developing your leadership brand is putting in action your words and your impression or your desires. And then I had, okay, what does the, what does being delivery driven means? It means you never miss a deadline. It means like you communicate with people whenever there's a potential issue. It means like you always in the meeting or everything ask the question of feasibility of realistic. Is it a realistic set of goals on how we're going to achieve that? And after a while, people associate, uh, those, this vernacular and this attribute with you and it creates your brand. Yeah. On, on reliable was, I would never cancel a meeting. Or if I had to cancel a meeting, I would always say, well, re let's reschedule for tomorrow. So then people would say, yes, she's not fluffy. When she says something, she makes it happen and she commits to it. She gives her word. And that also helped getting personal capital and all that. So building your leadership brand is about what do I know about myself which makes me authentic? How is this going to be important and useful in the organization? And what do I or how do I translate that in action that I take every day of my working life? <clears throat> so, you, so you develop a set of, set of intentions, you put them into action, and of course people won't judge you on those intentions. They'll judge you on the behavior that they see. Yes. Always start by demonstrating the attribute for people to finally 
associate associate yourself with the attribute. Yeah, and, and, and I guess it's very funny. Have you um you know one one book that I read that really helped me in this leadership brand uh, journey was The Tipping Point from Malcolm Gladwell. You know how some events go viral at one stage nobody knows about something and then all of a sudden everybody knows about something and and that reading that book made me ask myself the question how can i translate that in the corporate organization to go from not being known to being known by everybody and this is how i came with like i have to work on my leadership brand and this is how i came with like it has to be action driven it has to be demonstration demonstration over and over again of the same attribute that is then linked to a, a particular value or a particular word. Hmm. You, uh, you mentioned earlier that you, when you were writing the book, that you looked at uh, you know, the kind of highs and lows of your leadership career in writing these. I mean, what, what have been your kind of best and worst experiences of leadership? Uh, uh, in which sense, me as a leader or me as exposed to others' leadership? Well, I think I think it can be what, what, what you've been exposed to, whether that was you as a leader or whether it was somebody else. Um. Uh, one of the one of the worst experiences was um, I, I was not very happy in one of my role at one stage and. Um, I went to see my, my manager, my, and I told him, listen, you know, I'm not very happy because I'm bored. Uh, I don't feel challenged. I don't feel used to the fullest of my intellectual capacity. And I really want to be pushed and do something else. And at this stage, the organization I was in was in complete state of flux and restructuring. And, you know, I, I came, uh, to, to, to this manager by having in my back pocket, a list of things of project cross transversal or whatever that I was really interested in doing. And he said no to everything. And then he said, but you know, Marianne, a lot of people are, are, are waiting to get to their next challenging thing. So just wait. And I, I thought this person has been working with me for several months. He doesn't know me. He doesn't get me. I mean, I am the typical type of person if you say, just wait and, you know, wait, don't push it, don't do anything, uh, go, don't, don't create any issue, don't, don't try to be challenged, just wait and, and bite your time. When I'm the most impatient person on the planet, obviously I thought, this is clearly a person who's never gonna get the best out of me because he doesn't understand me. And he doesn't know how to manage me and he doesn't know how to lead me. And why should I do anything for this person? And after a while, I left the organization. So as a leader, I've always made the point to understand very profoundly, deeply, what were the drivers of the people I was working with or working with me to make sure you don't get into this space or you don't understand them and you lose them. Mm. Um, I was a very defining moment on what I don't want to be like. Uh, the best moment of, on leadership was, um, 
when I was when I was the CFO of Shell Aviation, I uh, I had to work on um, a project about implementing a new way of assessing um, some of the profitability matrix, and I had to work. I had to influence the other big oils to to pretty much change the industry standard on that. And I remember uh, we had a, this massive meeting in in Germany uh, with a joint venture, and um, it's this huge room there's 25 people in there i'm probably one of the youngest and i'm the only woman and i have to present the you know the call for change why do we need to do it differently why is it important and i remember i i i was sitting at the back end of the room and i walk up to the to the stage to to present and and try to convince and you could see everybody's completely against it. You you feel the atmosphere in the room and I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then I get on stage and I start explaining and I start um, giving example and also talking about my own experience in other company. And all of a sudden you see the atmosphere in the room changing and people are listening and are reacting. And you can see that from a no position, you're getting them to a maybe and then... 25 minutes later, you get into the, yes, we're going to do it. And now you, uh, we understand that. And I think that was one of the best moments for me to take a room on a very important business topic, a room that I know is not for it. And in the course of an hour with challenge and everything, make them realize that this is what we need to do and, and be able to, to push a change through, uh, through the, through the, through the mind of people. That was a great moment of leadership for me. So what's what you did there is like in that hour or so you, you built your credibility. I mean, what are your sort of top tips for people to really begin to build their credibility as a leader in their organizational own business? Yeah. Um, it's um, credibility is a huge part of, of, of becoming a leader. I mean, people want to follow you, right? Uh, so for others to follow you and maybe because I'm, I'm French, so we have this, you know, this cultural element of we are very skeptical and people have to demonstrate to us that they are worth being followed. Uh, so for me, the credibility has always been very, very, very important. Um, develop your credibility is about knowing what you know and more importantly knowing what you don't know and being very authentic on saying i don't know when you don't know uh building your credibility is expanding your experiences as much as you can there's this there there's this great um, harvard business review article on uh what makes a leader and what are the top 10 experience somebody has to go through in their career to be seen as a leader and one is uh, running a PNL. Another one is, um, uh, you know, going, uh, negotiating a big contract. Or another one is firing, uh, a difficult person or doing a turnaround or restructuring. And I think this is, you know, if you want to develop as a leader and it being in a big corporation as an entrepreneur or as an entrepreneur is about putting you in position where you learn as much as possible. It's about learning and stretching yourself and yes, failing because you learn more when you fail than when you actually uh, succeed. And it's pushing the agenda all the time. Always say yes to new challenges. 
always say yes to uh, try something different. Even if you fail, not be scared of failing helps the credibility. Uh, the other part on credibility building for me is really related to influence and how you use network. So find people who are going to endorse you and push you. So you have the very technical side on, I know what I'm doing. There is the very like humble side. I know what I don't know and I'm, and I'm always ready to learn. And there's a bit of the marketing side, uh, people that matters or are followed or are already leader endorse me. And I think this would be the three angle, how you build credibility for me as a leader. Very good. So I'm wondering now, now in terms of, you know, one of the key roles of a leader is about uh, leading teams and, and also being able to influence people. I mean, how do you best go about doing that? What are your thoughts on leading others and influencing others? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, um, I know we said, well, there is a universal criteria and attributes of leadership, but for me, it really starts from within. It's what you are comfortable with doing. It's about authenticity. If as a person, you're complete introvert, don't try to be the one who go and talk to your team every five minutes because it will, it will feel fake and you won't influence them or build them. So, so building team and influencing is first of all, knowing yourself, knowing your strength, knowing your limitation and leveraging your strength, not try to completely eradicate your limitation because it never works, but look at what you can do to make them, um, to, for them not to become derailer in what you do and in your career. And for leading team, it's the, it's the same thing. It's about, you know, being, being who you are, projecting who you are, empowering them, uh, letting them trust you, trusting them and create a, a positive atmosphere of sharing and, and collaboration. But this is because I am this type of person. So for me, the best way of building a team is to share, empower, make other people grow and make them as much part of your success that you are of theirs. For the people, it might be a completely different thing, you know. Do you think um, it's, it's okay to, as a leader, to really show your vulnerability? Or do well, you have to remain strong? I think, I think it's, for me, it's okay to show your vulnerability because you're just a person and you're going to have great day and you're going to have bad day. But it's also, it's, a, it's about showing your vulnerability, um, in a way that is always positive. You know, if you are, if you're like, if you say you're the CFO and you absolutely have no idea of how uh, accounting works, don't show that because it impairs your credibility. But, but if you are an emotional person saying, you know, I, I can be a bit emotional helps you, uh, creating, a, 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 um, proximity with your team, which is important. <clears throat> strategic, strategic thinking is an area that's always seen as being an important part of leadership. And you know, I meet leaders who are very good at it and leaders who, don't know what it is and leaders who aren't good at it. I mean, um, 
how do you, you know, what from your perspective is strategic th- thinking and how do you really cultivate that characteristic as a leader? Strategic thinking is, um, I, I like the word and I don't like the word. I mean, you know, everybody says, well, you gotta be a strategic thinker. What does that mean really? You know, I, I think for me, it's, um, it's about creating value. How do I create value? And it requires really two things. First of all is understanding what your organization does to create value and then be able to challenge it or associate it with other type of business model. So one thing that I've always been important for me to help in, to help work on my strategic thinking was observing what was going on and always asking myself the question, if I observe that, what does it mean for my company, my process and my role? And creating almost checklist and defining ecosystem of value that will inherently help me solve problem better and create value better. So you want to cultivate your strategic thinking, read as much as you can, uh, meet people that are completely different from what you do to, to expand as much as possible your framework of knowledge and cultivate your ability to associate things that cannot be associated. Um, one great example is, um, you know how they came up with the idea of commercial bank and have the teller and, um, and um, systematic process in the US. They yeah. looked at what was the banking system like and then they, they looked at supermarkets and say, it would be great if we could automate, automate that and have somebody coming and, you know, just doing in, in five, well, really getting what you need in five seconds. And our needs are going to, it has to be fast, efficient, quick. So we got to come up with a new model and we got to have a consumer driven type of module and that the commercial banking started. Now, clearly, strategic thinking is is important, Um, but I'm also interested in exploring with you the the importance of being able to execute. Because you, you know, you've said that you know you have to be clear around intentions, and you need to make things happen to get results. Um, How do you improve your ability to execute, and also get and also get others to follow through with their intentions too? Yeah. Uh, execution is, um, to me, it's like it has three roots. Co-creation. If you want people to do things for you, you need to make them part of, of, of it. Why should I do that for you? Uh, the second part is empowerment. Uh, give a direction, not a way. It's, uh, there's this great example. It's called that independent thinking obedience. It's like we all know what we have to do, how you get there, it's completely up to you. And the third, the third one is accountability. Make people face the consequences of delivery or not delivery, but in a positive way. If you have co-creation, 
you touch them emotionally. If you have empowerment, you touch your team in terms of like feeling valued. And if you have accountability, you make sure if they don't deliver, it's not going to be without consequences. Mm. <clears throat> and what if some of that delivery, you know, is, is, isn't down to them personally? It's, uh, maybe they were accountable for it, but it was due to other factors in the business. I mean, do, should people take the rap for it? I mean, I found myself in my past before where, you know, I took the rap for something that wasn't really within my own control. Yeah, but then it's your capacity to influence. Delivery on, delivering on things you can control is managing. Delivery on things you can't control is leading. Mm. Mm. So, I mean, what, um, what about... I know it's pretty black and white, but... Uh, <laughs> it's pretty black and white. It's a pretty painful position to be in, though, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, if, uh, you know... If you, if you want people to deliver and they can always come to with the excuses like, well, I can't because it's not my turf, then nobody can do anything. There's not such a thing as teamwork then. Yes, and you're right. You should engage and involve other people in that process. What's, what's your kind of, we've got a, few, a couple of minutes left now, but I mean, what's your recommendations for people? I mean, you've talked about a lot of kind of, you know, reading and studying and reflecting and doing inventories and things like that. Um, however, you know, the reality of life at the moment is that um, people may be bombarded with huge amounts of email, lots of operational things to do. Um, how do you think the best people really rise above all of that and, and continue to develop and evolve their leadership skills? Well, first of all, you really want to, you really want to want to do it. You want to become the best version of, your, of yourself. You have to be disciplined. It doesn't happen like this, you know. It's about being disciplined. And I, it makes me smile. I just smile right now because when you say, oh, people are overloading with this and that. But part of your leadership journey is taking time out for yourself to think, to question, to observe, to adjust, to to be you know, with yourself and, and ask, okay, what is the next move? What does that mean? How do I feel? If you don't have, if you don't carve out the time to do that, unfortunately, and I really strongly believe in that, you will always be a manager. Because in order for you to be a leader, you need to have this ability to step back, observe and react on the relationship you have with your team the relationship you have with yourself. Do you like who you are or you, what you've become? And the relationship you have with the world that ultimately all those three elements are going to help you shape the future of your organization, of your business, or, or deliver on the, on the next vision or the next strategic thinking. So it's not, you know, you want to be a leader? Start now and be disciplined about it and being a leader is also about being selfish on having time to step back, pause, reflect, and think. I think I think you make you know. I, I think the, a key point you, you're making really is that actually 
the important thing is that you know you're responsible for your own development aren't you and how, how high you fly depends upon you taking that responsibility your company may help you with some development but at the end of the day the person who needs to invest in themselves is is you um taking ownership and responsibility for your own growth um i think that's what you're trying i think that's what you're saying is is it yeah it's uh if you want to become a leader first of all decide that it is you that is what that it is oh sorry if you want to become a leader you first have to decide that this is what you want and then be disciplined about it We've got about a minute left now before I need to just sort of wrap up. I just wondered, Marianne, if you've got any final key messages that you'd like to leave us with. Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, and I, I'm sorry if it's not a very positive message to leave you with, but leadership is hard. It's glossy, it's sexy and all that, but it, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of questioning. It is a lot of, like, great times, but also... Down times where you're questioning yourself, have I done enough? What could have I done differently? And what if this doesn't work? So, you know, we have this culture of putting corporate leadership as the epitome of everything. And, and a lot of people kind of like say, well, it's easy for me. It's not easy. It's never easy. Nothing comes without work. It's, it's not easy. So you want, you need to want it. You need to pretty much commit to it and then make sure that you, you take the necessary steps to deliver on it. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to have to leave us there, Marianne, and thank you very much for your time today. It's been a, a pleasure talking to you, and I think there's a lot of a lot of content that people can take out of this call. And I would recommend as well, I think the, the book Leadership uh, that you've written is a great one, so I'd recommend anybody who's looking at uh, developing their leadership skills to buy it because um, I wish that I had had that book when I started out in my leadership journey. So if you want to find out more about Marianne Abipesh, go to a blog at www.marianne.hk. Um, the Financial Times Guide to Leadership is available from Amazon. Any questions or feedback, please send them to chris at bemoreachievemore.com or leave them on my Facebook page. Uh, do sign up to the newsletter at Be More Achieve More and I'll let you know on upcoming shows and things. And uh, Jim... Uh, our guest next week is Jim Layton. He's um, the president of um, a really big um, food producer in the United States. He's written a book about fully integrated teams. He's a really fascinating uh, individual with a really important message to share. So if you're looking to develop your teams further or yourself, um, then uh, it will be a really good show again next week. So in the meantime, have a great week. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Music.